Thursday, welcome uh, to diversity. Uh, I think I've listed it as diversity of the earth and spirit because it's not only about the biodiversity that's in this wonderful earth we've got and with this uh, isolation time a lot of people have been working with their gardens and probably been discovering things about the soil that they perhaps haven't seen for years or haven't taken much notice of and this is a whole spell of wonder is this good for the garden is this bad for the garden uh, and stuff like that so this has been a great wonder time i believe anyway uh, but the matter of spirit is actually how you actually apply yourself to the biodiversity um, i'm going to start with a story it's uh, by uh, wangari matai uh, from kenya a wonderful woman, uh, environmental activist out there in Kenya and a teacher. And there's a little story that uh, she tells. You might be familiar with it. It's told to children a lot. And it tells of a, a huge forest fire in Kenya, which unfortunately when they have droughts, uh, it frequently happens. And this forest fire was huge and all the animals were running out of this forest fire and the birds uh, were coming out and they they got to safety out uh, of the fire and they were looked in and they were mesmerized and they were really overwhelmed to see their home the place that they lived suddenly burning away what are they going to do all were overwhelmed except for a little hummingbird and this little hummingbirds they do just looking and flapping oh what can you do what can we do and this little hummingbird went into a stream that was by all these animals looking and took a little bit of water in its little tiny beak and it flew off into the fire and dropped the water from its little beak and it came back to the water got a bit more water in its beak and it went off to the fire and it just kept going backwards forwards and of course with its little wings it was zoom 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 and all these other animals they were looking this way what on earth is this little creature doing especially the elephant i mean the elephant has got this great big trunk and would be able to take all that water and spray it over the fire oh no elephant doesn't do that elephant is too busy criticizing this little hummingbird and doing what it's doing and saying what on earth are you wasting your time with that you're not going to be able to put out the fire with the little drops of water with your little tiny beak and your little wings going into the fire and dropping it and the hummingbird just kept going and kept going and unfortunately elephants and the others were kind of agreeing with the elephants why on earth are you bothering and eventually the hummingbird turned round to the elephant and the others and said, well, I'm doing what I can do. I'm doing what I can do. And to me, that's a wonderful approach to the whole approach of uh, biodiversity. It's one of those subjects that, thanks to social media, I believe, has become very much... Uh, to the attention of a lot of people but it's in the way that it seems to have come to attention uh, it's to me it's a lot like the permaculture self-sufficiency organic gardening we pick up these things and it becomes an incredible wonderful thing we might see it as something that can save the planet can save the earth 
and we want to be totally engrossed, totally involved. We want to know exactly what we're doing, how to go about it. And the fortunate thing that I recently read is that um, people in Ireland, uh, compared to the rest of Europe, on average, they actually have larger gardens than most people in Europe. You wouldn't think so, because up until recently, it didn't seem you saw many Irish people at garden centres, though garden centres have been expanding. But the one thing that's happened since this lockdown and this isolation, you try ordering plants online to a garden centre and they open for about an hour a week. The demand is like it was with toilet papers in the supermarket. So there's a great interest and obviously people if they get plants are trying to, they're doing something. But what happens I feel with a lot of people is they they want to get involved with the land and we'll take the biodiversity. So what do people do? They try and order books, they watch videos, they watch documentaries and try to get a whole understanding, a whole learning about what this biodiversity thing is and what they need to do in their own little garden. And they can spend a month looking at this stuff, they can spend a year, two years, five years, ten years and there's going to be like the elephants and all those other mammals that were on the outside of that burning forest. They're not being the little hummingbird. And this is the thing, it's, you don't have to think or plan or learn, you don't have to get a degree, you don't have to get a doctorship in biodiversity, because it's been around for millions of years. And it is, it's all down to doing what you can do, the little, little bit that you can do, just get in there and actually do it. Um, one of the things that I think is a distraction from doing that, there's a buzz uh, phrase going around about connecting with nature. And I th think carrying that is kind of a first step to perhaps a non-application uh, like those mammals on the edge of the forest. So of a non-application because it's connect with nature as if we're on the outside of it. I feel is and firmly believe, goodness, the earth is a closed system of life and it's life that goes into organic bodies and it has a time on earth. If it's a butterfly, a couple of days. If it's a bird, eight or nine years maybe. If it's us, if we're lucky, 50 to 100 years or so. Uh, but once uh, the body is sort of worn out or diseased or been taken over by some other uh, bio uh, life form, uh, some, we go into the process of biodiversity, our life just disappears. It goes somewhere else. It's never destroyed. That's, this is first year physics in secondary school to learn that nothing's destroyed. It's just changed into something else. And we're all part of that. And I think that's an understanding that's lost. So instead of connecting with nature, I feel we ought to be in a position of being mindful that we are of nature, but we're actually denying it. So rather than connect with nature, how about turning that round and saying, I'm going to stop denying nature. I'm going to stop denying nature. And that's what people have been doing through this lockdown. They suddenly see that it's around. They suddenly realize they are part of it. And they're actually doing, a lot of people are doing things within that. And I kind of parallel that with when you go into markets or supermarkets even, 
and you go to the produce stand and you see all this all the stuff everywhere labeled as organic vegetables and sometimes that irritates me and sometimes that amuses me because inorganic what we sort of call in conversation inorganic vegetables hasn't been around all that long uh, how long has it been it certainly became abundant since the 50s uh, with the chemical fertilizers and the chemical insecticides certainly they were uh, these were around since the 19th century but it really got going after the second world war so what we call organic today has been around for at least 2000 years because the medieval monks were the ones that had these genetic skills to change wild plants into a lot of the vegetables that we make today so it, it, people have lived for a th couple of thousand years or so on what we call organic vegetables so I feel why isn't it we go into a market and the labeling is there for inorganic vegetables the ones that use chemicals obviously that's not very good for the marketing this is a corporate thing but this is what I feel we need to understand is that the organic vegetables uh, is what's natural to us and likewise with the biodiversity that um, we are of nature we can't escape it but we deny that we're part of it so I think if we, that's why I say biodiversity and spirit I think the first thing is to perhaps understand that we are part of it and appreciate that we are part of it and once you've got that then somehow our conscience our common sense lures us to what we need to do so as going back to if you started you know if someone asked me what's the best book on biodiversity what's the best documentary I'd kind of say forget about it have a look around your garden and spaces that you go to and see if you can recognize where the bio intricacies of biodiversity which is really life weaving with other life life vessels weaving with other life uh, where you might get ladybugs with other bugs uh, on the leaves in the soil and if you go in get yourself a handful of soil if it's nice healthy soil and you might be discovering this for the first time for years in the last couple of months and it's a shame I don't have a camera person so I can't just go out and grab uh, soil it's very difficult to grab a bit from here but you grab some soil and you could have worms and there's beetles uh, there's millipedes centipedes uh, there's other kinds of uh, creepy bugs earwigs uh, all these different creatures weaving in and out and um, they might be attacking each other or they might be in most cases eating up the debris in the soil as you're aware that soil is just really a kind of pile of shite really it's just things that are rotted down as they do at the end of the year the end of the season the whole someone uh, process of regeneration transformation so you've got what was the old bodies and the old debris of the leaves and uh, you've got all these creatures going around eating it up and and creating new life with it new fertility and to me that's biodiversity is seeing all of this activity going on and it gives you an understanding that if we left it alone or uh, that everything somehow comes into balance if there's too much of something then it can get eaten away and uh, balanced down and we I feel a part of it and it's that simple now when it comes to well how do I enhance biodiversity in uh, my own garden in my own 
you know, if you don't have a garden, you know, a community garden, you might have an allotment, uh, you might share some outdoor place with someone. If you're not, I advise find out how you can. Uh, it will really be incredibly satisfying. And I'm going to move over now to this book, and Leslie O'Hara is watching. And the first I saw of this, and it's, I'm, this I suppose should go through Zoom. Uh, so I hope you sort of can take heart with me trying to demonstrate this. This is Gardening for Biodiversity. And uh, Leslie O'Hara posted it on his Facebook. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And he advised people to send an email to uh, Leitrim County Council Heritage Officer. So I did. And uh, later that day, I got an email from the Sligo Heritage Officer and saying, oh, I've just had an email sent to me saying you want this book so I'll put it in the post for you right away and then I start hearing people from Offaly and Leash uh, who also got this book from their heritage officer because someone recommended it and I was very jealous because they didn't just get this book they got other little books on bird watching uh, insect watching and other subjects a beautiful collection it is free and one thing I didn't point out is the reason uh, I'm doing this as a Sunday session and probably why these, this book is out. This is supposed to be the first day of uh, Biodiversity Week. Uh, it should have started today, but of course everything's cancelled. So I gather the County Council has had funds to put on Biodiversity Week and I wouldn't be surprised if these, these funds have um, brought this book out. Now there's a lot of you viewing that are not in Ireland and when I finished uh, this uh, live stream, I will put a link at the, in the comments that was passed to me very kindly by Val Robus, where you can actually get a PDF, download a PDF copy of this. And uh, it might be worth printing out and putting some kind of binder, because I feel this is a book to actually have on hand to grab, uh, rather than just look it up on your phone or online, because you're gonna find this it's something you're going to pick up quite often once you had it. Not as an instruction book, but as a trigger. You can sort of browse through it. And I'm going to go through it a little bit with you. Um, it sort of has an introduction and uh, how every garden is important. As you see, we've got these amazing uh, color graphics, a little bit of text, very easy to read. So you can see this is something that's for all the families, for adults. Children can fully understanding and understand this and it's actually for children that are just learning to read I think this is a lovely challenge to learn to read bits of this as well because they can look at the text get an understanding and by looking at the pictures understand what's going on and uh, then there's an explanation a bit of what is uh, biodiversity and then it's looking into the soil and the insects and what they're doing um, them moving and this is something I'm sure you can relate to uh, because with biodiversity the surprise when you go through this book is you think what shall I do for biodiversity and by looking through this you, you look around your garden well this is already happening it's either happening naturally or because of things you did you're causing a biodiversity situation a biodiversity improvement situation it wasn't your intention at the time in fact quite often these intentions were lazy uh, and I'm going to come to that how laziness can be an incredible beneficiary to biodiversity 
and so we've got here we have the dandelions and you might have heard a lot of the dandelions being the first flower out full of nectar great for the bees encourage them don't go cutting your lawn and get rid of all the dandelions as soon as they come out willow tends to grow wild everywhere i'm in a willow can here uh, and it's great the birds love it in the spring well there's still some there over the catkins they actually get pollen out of it birds bees insects they all love it various uh, purposes and I'm going to come across another purpose very shortly and then we go into the the brambles people cut the brambles back but uh, the birds love the brambles and if they can get to the brambles they probably leave some of your own soft fruit uh, that you've cultivated clover we used to have a lot of clover here I don't know what's happened to it I probably will have it on the triple spiral labyrinth it comes up there each year and that is uh, a prize, that is real nectar, abundant nectar for the bees and the uh, butterflies and all other insects. Ivy, a lot of people think ivy is a nuisance. I could perhaps do a whole Sunday session on ivy because it's such a misunderstood plant. But in winter they come out with these beautiful berries and the, it's great, it's winter food for the birds because even though we put bird seed out and stuff, they still appreciate having the fresh berries. So the, ivy helps them and where there is ivy uh, it creates cover uh, for the cocoons uh, of uh, caterpillars and butterflies so all sorts of biodiversity is protected behind the ivy and then we move on uh, because of birds and uh, what you can actually do bird feeders of course a lot of people have got bird feeders so it goes into that and it's wonderful it's a, an incredible mindful thing to do to just watch the birds you can spend hours at it it's very addictive uh, to identify the birds hear the different bird song and also to watch the different behaviors when you see the, the tits and the chaffinches they're very community uh, they're always in bunches and they're always fighting with each other but then you get um, other birds uh, like the robin and surprisingly the bullfinch they're quite independent they don't like other birds around them so you get to see these behaviors a uh, wonderful thing to have and then there's here that as well as putting the seeds out is grow your own bird food uh, the ivy uh, example I meant I showed there you can be growing uh, rowans the brambles earlier what else they got here uh, the crab apples well they don't seem to eat them here but it's available and uh, the elder berries they certainly love those honeysuckle I know it's the honeysuckle here that the birds here really go to town on that um, but it's got I love this headline here learning to share your home and this is what I feel is what biodiversity is about it's not about going into your land and uh, seeing what you can clear from the land uh, it's if we've got an ego approach and this is the thing I think that distracts us from and makes us denial of nature is when we let our personal egos grow because as humans we are more advanced than other manual, uh, mammals. We do have hands, we, we do have a logic mind, we do create things, we do make things, we do organize things. But unfortunately, when we organize things, it pushes other life forms out. And then we get this illusion we're in control. And uh, the whole genocide can take place where we clear a land, make it neat and tidy, we grow crops and all the life that was there before uh, has had to go somewhere else and we're not sharing and and things get lost uh, there's soil erosion 
suddenly after a couple few years the crops don't grow so you have to put more chemicals on now it's all about learning to share your home and the home being here in the garden and the outside that you work with and then bird bath yeah they're brilliant i got an old granite uh bird bath they love just swooping down and flapping the wings and uh and flapping out and that's lovely to watch too uh, and then uh, it, it kind of expands how you can put all these into applications uh, the wildflower lawn um, and uh, herbs is that the herb I'm looking upside down uh, pollinators um, so, and look at all these lovely graphics in this uh, and uh, grow your own herbs uh, we got herb spiral labyrinths I'll probably do a session in there one day uh, it's, it's wonderful, it goes on all these things and I bet already as I'm pointing these things out you're saying oh yeah I've got that in my garden I do that and, and that's wonderful it's just like the hummingbird you do what you can do and, that, and I think that's uh, a lot to do with this uh, what are we up to here leave, oh yeah this is, this is my favourite bit leave an untidy corner of your garden for wildlife I'm always leaving untidy corners uh, I'm always wanting to get the plants in and uh, get crops in for drying and I tend to pile stuff up and once a year the willow gets trimmed February or March and it gets piled there's a willow pile and because uh, willow uh, when you cut the trimmings willow's useful you can weave with them that's why you've got basket makers uh, they can be used as poles for your crops and you can make various things with them uh, they're very good to form uh, what do they call them they call them faggots when you actually tie them together and put them on a water bank so that it doesn't uh, silt up but when I went uh, I'd left a pile and I went to sort of sort it out and I wanted some poles and went to sort it out and I saw birds come and it's all a sort of a mess and there's other junk being thrown in leaves uh, and various other sort of rotting down things and I saw birds going in and out there were wrens and there were robins and I thought oh I better not touch that and I thought initially they were just in for food and then after a few days I realized they were taking bits in they were nesting and there without me planning just my by my own untidiness uh, I had created a, a nesting home for birds and this is what we all do just Gardens are not for, for being neat and tidy. You don't need to keep mowing your lawn. You don't need to keep trimming your hedge. You don't need to clear up your piles uh, because someone, something in nature is going to find that. Oh, I can be a home here. And when I go here, I look under my piles and there's frogs. That's a common thing, uh, is the frogs. And I just say, oh, I'm not clearing up today. Just wait until they finish because they're never permanent homes for those. But this is a, a vital part of biodiversity is being untidy. And I think that's as much a lesson uh, as I was saying as instead of connecting with nature but, de uh, but deny, uh, how can I put it, de uh, but stop your denial of nature. I think this is a second lesson. Don't be tidy. And try not to be tidy because something uh, you can't really share your garden if you're ultra tidy uh, it can cause uh, a bit of a problem and um, and then it goes plant native trees and that's quite important uh, with uh, native woodlands especially if you've got a, um, 
a neighbour wood by you. And the lovely thing about a native woodland is that uh, you pick up the soil in the native woodland and you will find all sorts of bug activity. I mean, the whole you pick up, grab a, some of that nice dark black soil that you get in woodland, pick it up, and the whole soil in your hand starts wriggling all over you because it's so full of life. Now you try doing that in a Sitka spruce plantation and it's as if you're picking up a piece of desert. You can actually feel that it's lifeless. There's absolutely no sensory response. Whereas so some people, if you go into a native woodland, if you're not used to it, <laughs> but, you know, uh, overcome that fear of the, because the, the sort of ur is really, again, like being the, the elephant and all those mammals that are outside the forest. Uh, you know, you're, you're being outside of it all, but you soon get used to it. And maybe things do sting. There are things that bite and sting the ants. We've got the fire ants here, but you do recover. Um, and, of course, we have the midges. I thought the midges would be here today, but they're not. Um, and then it's, it goes into how to grow willow from cuttings. And um, what are we on now? Hedgerows, yeah, lovely. Uh, especially when you do willow from cuttings, that can be the start of a hedgerow. Get rid of the wooden fence. We've still got a bit here, but I'm going to be replacing that with some trees and a hedge. And, of course, all kinds of... Uh, creatures and bugs love to live in hedges. They're not going to live on your wooden fence, or, and especially not your brick wall. Uh, but the one thing I thought about brick wall, if I passed it, there's one thing in here about dry stone walls. I've probably passed it. And that's one thing we got, and that's uh, fascinating because I've talked about uh, piles of rubbish, I suppose, where the wrens and the robins are nesting. In the dry stone walls, the coal tits and the uh, blue tits, they tend to nest in there each year. So everything that you've sort of got around, uh, uh, other creatures are going to make most of it. Also in piles of rubbish, hedge, I haven't seen any here, but uh, in other places I've lived, you lift up the pile of rubbish and there's hedgehogs. And you really, hedgehogs are really a huge garden friend. And of course the ladybugs are too. And you read about here, and then they've got a section on bats. Uh, that's fascinating. And in one part here, it was encouragement to build bat boxes, bird boxes. And then we go into all the other mammals and uh, moths. And this is the bit I love, the, uh, uh, is create a, a water area. We do have a pond here. And uh, other than that, you do have a pond. The frogs come into it, there's frog spawn. But if part of it overgrows, you end up with a bog garden. And that's, that's very useful too. So it goes into the water things. Um, so th there's a lot, as you see, there's a lot into this uh, pond life. And then there's an app you can get to where you can help out the biodiversity people by recording things you see and send them the information. Lots of useful links to follow up. As I say, don't get obsessed with this. Go into it. But this book, as I say, write to the heritage officer, look it up. I, I will provide links again. Uh, for your county council. Ask for them while they still have them in stock. Well worth it. I think you'll keep it in your bookstore for a long time. And the nice thing is, it's not really an instruction book. It's an ideas book. It's something you can browse through at any time. And you'll be saying things, oh yeah, I'm already doing that. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, I can uh, do that too. Uh, now, as I say, I first learned about this on, on the Facebook. And uh, I must have a bit of a word about the social media because unfortunately 
Facebook, and it is a huge monster corporation around the world, and it's had a lot of flack, and it's been well deserved uh, flack for the fake news it sends around, the conspiracy theories uh, uh, that, uh, and people concerned with all this information that the CIA, uh, GCHQ, uh, whatever it is in China, all these people are reading everything that we're doing. But the, I find that amusing because I can't even get around to reading all my posts and I'm sure you're the same too. So it's a sort of a, uh, a fear-mongering thing that, you know, it's not going to knock on your door, it's not going to make any difference. But the one thing I have noticed, and especially through this uh, lockdown and through this isolation time, that the actual Facebook's become quite useful because people, they're indulging in these things and they're putting pictures and videos of the things they're doing and you can watch that and, oh, that's a great idea. And I think there's a great sort of social community learning which is a great design for it. You get a bit of that from Meetup. I don't get so much of that from Twitter which seems to be very political and Twitter to me is like those animals on the outside of the forest criticizing everything that's going on but it's very little about what you're doing and uh, what you're applying but um, I, I am running out of time for this and I hope that makes sense the whole thing um, there was really three things that one is uh, don't get in too indulged in all the books don't think you've got to become qualified don't think you've got to be a biodiversity expert you already are because you're a living being and your whole conscience your instincts your common sense is going to show you what to do and this lovely book here is just going to confirm to you and it's going to boost your esteem oh yeah i'm doing that so it's great to have this this is a lovely thing as a reminder a great tool the second thing stop yourself thinking about connecting with nature reverse it around and think of yourself as uh, is stopping your denying of nature you're already in there with that closed circuit so that's uh, very much uh, the second thing do you know i've actually forgot what the, what the third thing is uh, that i was going to say but it's usually in this situation i always finish up uh, with a poem and uh, the one thing with the lockdown and all this busyness with the garden, I haven't actually been um, writing poetry. I've been so busy with the garden. Uh, but I picked up this lovely um, poem by a young person, uh, USA. Her name's Elisa Jordan. Uh, she's from the Chase Middle School, Washington State in the USA. And she kind of, in her poem, I think sums up some of the stuff I've been trying to share with you. Uh, here's her poem then, Biodiversity. Biodiversity is many things. Birds, trees, flowers. Everything helps everything. Sit and watch. It weaves for hours. Robins, sparrows, mallards and blackbirds. All and more are part of all of it too. How could we put all of this into words when we really don't want to? Why cause something to lose its sensory beauty? Just so you can say to people, I went walking through the city and saw a flower today. Words can never express the way nature enriches lives. Let's put study with words to rest and then feel how much nature thrives. Sadly, animals are quickly disappearing and their unique essential cultures, one per week, from Songbird's song we won't be hearing. 
what if we could understand what they speak? Nature is beautiful wonder in so many ways, but humans deny it and ruin it so swiftly. Nature can now feel as if it's beyond us. It isn't seen by us much these days. Yeah, I know that's a bit of a sad ending, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've just remembered what the third thing is. Don't bother about keeping tidy. <laughs> so you've got the three things. Don't stay on the outside of the biodiversity by trying to become a professor through the books, the videos and the documentaries. Don't consider yourself as uh, joining nature, connecting with nature, con considering how you're denying yourself from nature. And the third thing is, don't be tidy. You don't have to mow the lawn. You don't have to pick up all the rubbish. You, you don't have to have a neat and orderly compost bin. Uh, so those are the three things. And I think I better close there. So that's the Sunday session on biodiversity. Uh, next week it's um, water folklore and the divination with the water connection. So I hope you'll join me next Sunday. I'm glad we were outside. Midges didn't bother. The wind's coming up now. So uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and enjoy your activities in biodiversity and enjoy the wonder of it all. Thanks for watching and I'll answer some of your comments in a minute. Thank you. Bye.